electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin on the stimulus stalemate. I've told the speaker I'm available anytime to negotiate, no conditions. He says the economy is ready for a rebound. Now what we need to do is make sure we get the economy back to where it was before COVID. And that's a combination of testing, vaccines, and some more fiscal support. And Pete Buttigieg, presidential candidate turned Joe Biden surrogate, shares his vision for restoring America's economy. Look, part of why we have these American success stories is education, it's infrastructure, it's the things that at one time were the best in the world and now are not. Those interviews plus TikTok's Chinese parent company has chosen Oracle as their dance partner. Whenever we can talk about algorithms, you know what I'm saying? I like it as the secret sauce. And masked life in New York City. It's Monday, September 14th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Curtin. Becky's off today. We're going to talk about this TikTok deal, whether the algorithms are included. Do you uh, have to write code for talk the about algorithms? It. Do you know? Well, hold on. Let me let me just. Uh, I know you, you do. You're all fired you up because Let's it's talk a, about it because there's so much. There's so much. Well, all right. Here we go. All right. All right. I know you're all fired up. You're tweeting about it. And I don't follow you, believe it or not. But, you know, because I like to enjoy my weekend. But uh, someone retweeted your stuff to me. And I'm like, oh, geez. Anyway, uh, you're mad because Trump said he wouldn't do a partnership ever uh, when it was Microsoft. And now he likes Oracle. I figure it's because Larry Ellison uh, raises money. We'll talk all about it. We'll talk all All about it. All right. Make it. uh, I know. I know. I'm just you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read this and then I'm going to say, Andrew, Take it away. Making headlines this morning, sources telling CNBC that Oracle is set to be announced as TikTok's tech partner in the U.S. It's unclear which parts of TikTok's technology are being taken over by Oracle. And I'm talking about the secret sauce, the algorithms, and we don't know. It hasn't commented, but uh, I don't know whether the Chinese government would allow those algorithms to be taken over. TikTok also uh, won't comment on the potential deal. Microsoft had been considered the front-runner to buy TikTok's U.S. business. Until this weekend, Microsoft says it was notified by TikTok's Chinese owner, ByteDance, that its offer was rejected. Walmart was teaming up with Microsoft on its bid. They're, you know, algorithm experts over there at uh, Walmart. In a statement late yesterday, Walmart suggests it's considering joining Oracle's bid now. So, Andrew, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of, um, I guess it's kind of uh, interesting. You know, Microsoft, I, I, I initially saw how you were saying that, that, there's something, I don't know, nefarious going on here with the Oracle in, in the White House and stuff. But didn't, I, I mean, Microsoft did get the Jedi deal, right? I mean, do we, do we know that, that the White House does right. not like Microsoft specifically? Or, or do, we, do we think that, that they like Oracle more because Ellison did a fundraiser and Safra Katz? Is, is, uh, uh, do you, what do you know? The, Tell I'm, me what you know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not sure how the politics have played and and frankly, whether they've played 
in any of this. I think there's question marks now, and we will see what ultimately transpires here. Um, you know, I spent, I, I, you probably spent, there were some great games yesterday. I, unfortunately, I was on the phone trying to figure out what was happening here. And the interesting part about this particular transaction is that originally Microsoft had started having talks back in June and July uh, uh, with uh, TikTok, with ByteDance, about what was going to be called a tech partnership then. Effectively, the cloud, the, the Azure cloud was going to be the host for uh, for TikTok. And that was the interesting part for, for Microsoft. They were going to take a minority interest, not a controlling interest. And then the Trump administration turned around and said, no, 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 we don't like that because we have a problem here. Uh, we don't believe it. We still believe there's a national security problem unless a U.S. company owns a majority stake, a, a effectively control of the company. And therefore, the view was also the algorithm, because that is the business and not just the business, for the algorithm to work. The reason why you get fed cool or fun videos that are appealing to you is because what's happening is the company is taking the data which you produce, meaning the data of which, which videos you like and which ones you flick through quickly and what other things you're producing, and then they're going and showing you stuff that you like. So they need, the that's like the oil. They need the oil for the algorithm to work. And so once you take the algorithm out of China and put it in this country, then all of a sudden now China has a problem. And so the question in this, in this new transaction with, with Oracle is they're saying this is a tech partnership too, that actually the algorithm's not coming with. Well, the algorithm doesn't really work if you can't feed it data. So the question is how you could do that in a secure way. Is there a secure way to do it? And I think that's, that's the question right now on the table, Joe. Well, and we so don't even we know. can talk about the Andrew, politics of it, whether we, they like Oracle or not. I don't know. Well, and we don't know if the, you know, this is ByteDance saying this. And, and we don't know at this point whether the White House will sign right. off on this. I guess, we, do we have indications that this one's going to be okay with them versus the other one? I mean, Microsoft's a much we, we bigger have, company. I mean, I they, think got, the, they already have gone. My understanding is that the early indications of the White House is going to, is trying to find some form of a compromise. Now, it's interesting because from a antitrust and competitive landscape, you would have thought actually that a Microsoft Walmart deal arguably would have been better in many other ways, which is to say that, you know, if TikTok went to Microsoft, all of a sudden you could you potentially could build a real meaningful, meaningful competitor to a Facebook. So if you thought of antitrust issues with Facebook or potentially with Google on the advertising side, um, potentially against Amazon, if you thought it could stretch that far when it comes to Walmart's involvement. Of this. So in a way, that transaction created all sorts of other benefits uh, beyond the national security issues, potentially sort of upending the landscape for technology, uh, potentially in a good way to the extent that, you're, that people have been concerned about competition. The transaction with Oracle simply as a cloud provider, if that's all it's going to be, and, and we'll find out because maybe there's more to it, um, is probably less than that in terms of being able to create create that kind of viable competitor. Well, what, what, but, what, know, what social what what social media experiences does Oracle have as well? I mean, Microsoft has LinkedIn, right? And, and Microsoft's a much bigger company. Right. It'd be easier. There are reasons to think that might be a better overall fit. And then you got back to the fundraisers and the other things that I know you want to talk about. You know, I was actually kind well, of you'd concerned also think that about, Microsoft uh, you know, 
I was concerned about a two-anchor oh, show, you, you know what I mean? A lot of times they, a lot of times they yeah. stick another one on here because they're worried, you know. And it's like, I think maybe this should, I don't even need to be here, I don't think. Uh, do, you, do you want me to, to just come back at like 6.30 or something? Or what do you think? You've been thinking, usually, you know. The NFL, the NFL started yesterday. There was baseball across the board. There was a, an I NBA know. playoff game. There was a five-set match that was one of the greatest comeback matches with a speech yep. at the end followed by the German that, that lost that had me in tears. And so I don't, you know, and then I, you know, I, I just, I, I got to admit, I didn't make that many calls about this other thing here, this, uh, this whole deal here. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> Attention, New York commuters. We should tell everybody, uh, starting today, people who refuse to wear face masks on subways, on trains and buses, they're going to face a $50 fine. The goal is to convince people that mass transit is safe to ride as New York City and its suburbs open up more in the coming weeks. But uh, clearly the state um, trying to trying to instill that confidence in large part by saying you got to wear you got to wear your masks, especially in these confined closed spaces. Are you out and about? I'm just wondering what 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 your life is like, because I you know, I'm there's traffic again out here and there is right you know there's the places that if i go to get something like a bagel or something there the lines are back it's it's a very surreal yep. kind of a kind of a it, it, it's happening people are out they're doing everything and it's like I, sometimes i i forget that you know i'm i'm not in that that covid zone all the time anymore which sometimes is good i have to tell but you it can come back vi- right it come back it comes back very quickly comes back very quickly if someone if i'm at a counter and someone gets anywhere near me or if i'm you know you know and i'm wearing a mask anything and so i mean this is going to be i don't know if we ever get over this this because i i mean i immediately uh, it feel very threatened it's very strange it's a very strange world right now tell me about your now story. we're uh, the- the Sorkins are to know we're like you. I think we're much more out and about than we were. Um, and there are moments happily, I will tell you, where I think we're trying to forget about it. We were in the park the other, just yesterday and you wouldn't have thought it at all. Uh, and yet then, um, frankly, a little kid came flying over to my daughter and was right on top of her. And all of a sudden I, I thought, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, and, and obviously we were not masked, I should say. Uh, we, we were. At, but. And then I thought, and then, you know, you get, uh, you get uh, concerned. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, ho- I'm hopeful that tennis, uh, we get through it. And especially the, 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 the tri-state area where we are, hopefully the, the levels are low enough that we're, 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 where it's not going to spread. But I, yeah. I'm concerned like everybody the, else. The, 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 ten- the tennis yesterday, the, you know, very emotional. And, you know, people that are part of this team and the two guys uh, that, that are friends that, that played this class, they, they're hugging without masks and everybody was hugging. And, and I, I was right. like, oh, my God, they're hugging, they're hugging. They're, they're, and so, I mean, is this, this is the way it's going to be for us forever. These things are happening. NFL is happening. But it's just weird, all the concessions and all the, you know, all the modifications that we need to go through. I, and I'm wondering, is this... I don't know. When does it does it ever end? And I guess we're all asking ourselves uh, that question. Next on Squawk Pod, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin weighs in on TikTok in the U.S., mask mandates, a COVID vaccine, and the latest on the U.S. economy after 2020. We are rebounding in a very, very significant way. 
and Americans are beginning to see the benefits of the economy reopening. You don't want to miss it. We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod, today with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Joe. The latest in the stalemate over additional stimulus for the economy, the Senate's failure uh, last week to move forward on a $300 billion Republican proposal. Join us now to talk about uh, whether he thinks we can get a deal before the election. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, Mr. Treasury Secretary, it's good to see you. It was confounding to watch last week and... and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of the public at this point watching what goes on in Washington and scratching their head. Can you describe uh, exactly what happened last week? It, it seems like there was enough in that bill, even though it wasn't everything that everyone wanted, that it would have been a, a, a plus, a net plus for businesses and, and others. Why didn't the Democrats allow that to move forward? And, and what is the root of the disagreement um, between, you know, the Senate Republicans and, and Democrats on this issue, in your view? Well, I think the bill clearly had uh, components that are supporting kids and jobs and small businesses. And there's clearly parts of the economy that need more work. And the president and I want to have more support to help those American businesses that have been impacted by this. I think there's many areas of this where there is an agreement between the Democrats and the Republicans. In some of the areas, we do have differences on the amounts, but I, I will continue to work on this. I've told the speaker I'm available anytime to negotiate, no conditions, and we look forward. I understand the problem solvers is going to put out a bipartisan proposal this afternoon from the House, so I look forward to seeing that as well. Well, you, can, you do seem to be, uh, unlike maybe some of the, the administration, the rest of the Trump administration, you seem to be able to go back to... Uh, to Speaker Pelosi and, and, and uh, I don't know, move beyond ideological differences. But, I, I mean, are you frustrated that you're throwing out the, the bathwater with, with the baby on, on some of these things? Do you, is, do you understand where they're coming from and think they have legitimate uh, issues on the, on the other side? Because there's a, many people, many Americans think, you know, $300 billion is better than nothing. And, if we, and it looks like we're going to get nothing at this point. Well, I'm not going to speculate on whether we're going to get something or not. I think there is a compromise if the speaker is willing to move forward. Uh, I am somewhat concerned that she's afraid that any deal will be good for the president. And obviously, right. We, right. we have politics right. that are right. getting in the way. But let me also just say the speaker and I will be working on the, the CR this week, which is obviously a priority for us to make sure that we don't shut down the government. Okay, uh, that, that's what I meant by you. You seem to be able to go back and uh, it's like, you know, thank you, sir. I have another. And, and it, I just don't understand sometimes uh, how it works. How, where do you think the, the economy stands right now? Would you would you call it a V-shape? Would you call it a Nike swoosh? Would you call it a check mark? Uh, we, we've seen, obviously, you know, the unemployment rate fall below 10 percent. But is the second derivative 
slowing uh, without the additional help, or, or is it doing pretty well and we don't even need additional help? Well, as I said before, this is an economic scenario that nobody's ever seen, because this is a scenario where we, we close down the entire U.S. economy to combat this, this terrible COVID-19. And as we've reopened the economy, you've seen an enormous rebound. So the fact that we're down to 8.4% unemployment, people thought we were going to have as high as 25% unemployment. So clearly we are having a great rebound. We're going to have a very strong third quarter. But there is also clearly areas of the economy, particularly the travel area, entertainment, hotels, small businesses, restaurants, that are going to need more work. And the president and I are going to continue to fight for those parts of the economy. Andrew. Mr. Secretary, I wanted to, uh, to pivot to uh, another piece of news uh, this morning, that around the future of TikTok. Um, the president and your administration, I know you've been in the middle of these, these conversations and talks, uh, has given a deadline for the sale of TikTok's U.S. operations. And I should say a full control sale was always our understanding, uh, given that what was on the table prior with Microsoft, even earlier over the summer, was a minority interest with a tech partner. But that now seems to be what's on the table with Oracle. Um, how can that be? And is TikTok still a national security threat? Well, let me just comment. First of all, the deadline is September 20th. I know there's a little bit of confusion. Some people thought it was 15th, but in the EO, it's the 20th. There are two processes that we're going through. One is the CFIUS review. The other is the national security review under the president's executive order. Uh, I want to be careful what I say, but I will confirm we did get a proposal over the weekend that includes Oracle as the trusted technology partner with Oracle making many representations for national security issues. Uh, there's also a commitment to create TikTok Global as a U.S. headquartered company with 20,000 new jobs. I'm not going to go into the entire proposal. We will be reviewing that at the CFIUS committee this week, and then we'll be making a recommendation to the president and reviewing it with him. And Mr. Secretary, just so I understand, the Microsoft proposal, which appeared, a Microsoft Walmart proposal, which appeared to be rejected, um, was your understanding that that was similar? I don't, I don't want to go into the, the details of the negotiation. I would say there, there, there has always been a critical factor for us driving national security is making sure that the technology on Americans' phones is safe and make sure that it is not corrupt. And uh, we have a lot of confidence in both Microsoft and Oracle. They've chosen Oracle. We'll be reviewing it with their technical teams and our technical teams to see if they can make the representations that we need. And, and just to put one final fine point on this, the algorithm, which seems to be the, the central issue in terms of what the Chinese government is thinking about releasing that or, or, or letting that live, if you will, on American soil and be in control of an American company, is that uh, still your understanding of what would be required from a national security perspective? Well, I will just say from our standpoint, we'll need to make sure that the code that is one secure, Americans' data is secure, that the phones are secure, and we'll be looking to have discussions with Oracle over the next few days with our technical teams. Secretary, you, you, uh, you finally alluded to the, the real possibility that there won't be another stimulus bill because there's an election coming up and it just isn't in one party's interest for that to happen. Are, is it, are there executive orders 
that are being considered again, you know, the, the unemployment benefit hasn't been a, the one that the president issued an executive order for. That's going to run out. Are, are, how do you plan on, on approaching it if there is no more stimulus? Are there other executive orders being considered? Well, we're always consider, considering executive orders, and the president is going to make sure he uses his authority to do whatever he can to help small businesses. But there, there are limitations, and that's why it's very important that uh, we, we have stimulus that helps the areas of the economy that need support. But the good news is we are rebounding in a very, very significant way, and Americans are beginning to see the benefits of the economy reopening. Do you think that the, the housing uh, data that we're seeing, uh, foreclosures, et cetera, is, is that, you know, if we don't get a vaccine quickly, could this turn into something much worse than, than what we're seeing right now? There, there's some signs that we're, it's in a lot better shape in terms of supply and demand than it was back, housing was back in, in the financial crisis in 2008. But are there warning signs if, if, uh, if things get delayed in terms of a, a vaccine that housing could become a much bigger problem and, and maybe, uh, you know, slow the economy? Well, the, the good news is that housing is nothing like it was during the financial crisis. That was a situation where you saw a tremendous amount of over-leveraged lending. You saw real credit problems. Uh, we've had a complete change on that. We have a situation with GSE reform where uh, the GSEs, both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, have allowed forbearance for people that are affected by COVID. You see the president's executive order that impacts over 40 million rental units. So I think housing is, is the bright spot of the economy that is doing well. And that, that's an area I'm less concerned about. I'm more concerned about small businesses that are particularly impacted by the, the slowdown. Andrew. Mr. Secretary, um, the president told Bob Woodward on March 19th that he tried to play down the severity of, uh, of COVID and, uh, and like to continue to play it down, taking February uh, off the table, but just in terms of uh, that taking place on March 19th. My question is, what do you think the economic impact, especially on small businesses and the like, has been because of his, uh, his efforts to play it down. And the reason I ask you that is because, uh, to some degree, you could argue that by playing it down, uh, it has hindered the opportunity to create more testing. I think there's lots of questions about why there's not more testing in this country and maybe other efforts that would have come faster. Well, let's just get the facts correct. So first, let's start on testing. Mark Meadows and I just had the, the government enter into a commitment for over 150 million Abbott tests that are going to be point-of-care tests. Those are going to go to schools and nursing homes. Those will be delivered between now and the end of the year. We have another company that we're in the process, uh, again, of quick testing at, at point-of-care that we're going to have literally tens of millions of more testing. So between now and the end of the year, we have an abundance of testing. Uh, the second issue is the president made the very, very difficult decision. I was there in the Oval Office when he made the decision to close down the economy. It clearly was the right decision at the time. And he's made the decision to open up the economy in, in a very controlled way. So I, I think when you look at where we are, combined with we've made major commitments on vaccines. Now, those vaccines are going through testing. But we've literally committed tens of billions of dollars of production to six or seven different vaccines so that we hope to have one of those completed soon so we can distribute to the American people. Secretary, the, uh, um, I mean, we had 
Stan Druckenmiller on. I know you're familiar with, with some of Stan's work uh, over, over the years. And, and when you look at what uh, Fed Chairman Powell said, that if we don't have stimulus forthcoming from Congress, they're prepared to do what's necessary. They've done a lot already. Do, do you see a path to shrinking the balance sheet at some point of the Fed and, and extricating uh, the Federal Reserve from, from what we see right now? There's a lot of worry that, that while Wall Street uh, is being helped, you know, they, people on fixed income, retirees, I mean, staying at zero for forever has consequences. Do you see a way out of this uh, for the, the next administration, whichever it might be? Well, let me just say, you know, I speak to Chair Powell almost every day, so I want, I want to be careful in what I say about Fed actions. But now is not the time to worry about shrinking the deficit or shrinking the Fed balance sheet. Uh, there, there was a time where the Fed was shrinking the balance sheet and coming back to normal. The good news is that gave them a lot of room to increase the balance sheet, which they did. And I think both the monetary policy working with fiscal policy and what we were able to get done in an unprecedented way with Congress is the reason why the economy is doing better. I think had we not passed the $3 trillion deal and had the Fed not acted in the way they've done, including the various different 13-3 facilities we've worked on together, I, I think you'd see a very, very different economic scenario right now. You know, uh, Mr. Secretary, the, the Journal and uh, uh, Freeman, oh, they're actually it just in, in sort of commenting on, on some of Andrew's points about, about the shutdown, um, there is a, a, a whole cadre of people that, that, that think that less uh, of an um, uh, authoritarian reaction by the government would have been better. And now they, they point to Sweden. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the people have, have differing views about how different countries have handled this. But do you think the case could be made, because it's going to be a key point in the election, do you think that the case could be made, as it was by the Wall Street Journal, that trying uh, to keep the economy as, as open as possible uh, was one of the, the, the things that, that, that we needed to do. And that, you know, that shutting it, we could shut down for two years, but there are, there are effects. And, and what we've seen with the rebound in the economy and the markets, maybe we, we I mean, no one wanted 190,000 or 200,000 or 250,000 deaths, whatever it's going to come out to. But um, we're also trying to, uh, you know, to balance that against job losses and the loss of small businesses. Do you think that point can be made prior to November? I, I think it can be made. And let me just say, I've sat in these task force meetings from the beginning. There's been different views from the medical community on this. This is a very difficult disease that we hadn't seen anything like this before. And I think the president got the absolute right balance. At the time, we didn't have enough hospital beds, so we had to shut down the economy. But now we've got to keep the economy open. And I think you've seen areas where we can now operate safely. We'll have an abundance of testing between now and the end of the year. I think that's going to create a lot of confidence for people, knowing that kids can get tested at schools. And again, we're talking about a test that you can get the results in, in five minutes. So th this is really an extraordinary breakthrough. Andrew. Mr. Secretary, just, just to follow up on, uh, on, on some of the comments you've made, uh, specifically relating uh, to the steps that you think the president has taken. The thing that I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about is that the country never really did uh, collectively shut down. As you know, uh, there were, was more than a debate around masks, one that was incited in large degree by the president uh, and, and, and lots of states uh, as a result. 
uh, that, that didn't pursue masking early on. Um, and I, I think when I say early on, I don't think there was a lot of question about uh, the health issues at that point. I mean, meaning the health implications of using masks. February, March, we can we can debate the mask usage then. But afterwards, you don't think that's had any economic impact at all, given that this country uh, rates as one of the, the, the worst when it comes to both, de- both deaths, uh, which is empirical, uh, and everything else that's related to that? Well, let me just say, you know, the issue on masks, and I sat, listened to the medical professionals in the beginning, and it was very clear the recommendations that were coming out of the medical professionals were unless you were a professional and you had a fitted mask that was a specifically medically designed mask that it wasn't going to help. So that was the recommendation and that's what we've moved, we moved forward with at the time. Later on there was a view that uh, you could use cloth masks. Uh, look, I, I, think, I think it's better to wear masks than not wear masks. There's still different views of the medical issues. But the important thing is Look, we've had an incredible rebound of the economy. The fact that we're back down to close to 8% unemployment. People didn't think we'd be back down there by the beginning of next year. We've reopened the economy safely. And and now what we need to do is make sure we get the economy back to where it was before COVID. And that's a combination of testing, vaccines, and some more fiscal support for areas of businesses that had nothing to do with this issue but have been hurt. All right, Mr. Secretary, we appreciate all your time uh, this morning. We're going to have to uh, end it there, and we want to see you again, uh, hopefully, uh, in the near future. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. Coming up on Squawk Pod, is there more stock market volatility in a presidential election year, or are we just lucky in 2020? And former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg responds to Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. The American economy and the corporate sector can do fine and, and, and can do very well under a fairer tax code. We've got to have one that can actually allow us to finance what makes America great. We got so much more coming up on Squawk, right? Right, Joe? Pete yeah, Buttigieg. We, do, we, do, we have Pete Buttigieg coming up. I, I don't, uh, I'm going to have to calm down because I know we're going to hear some, some, some interesting stuff from, uh, from Mayor Pete as a Biden surrogate. So uh, I'll be here anyway, Andrew. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. The presidential election is 50 days away. Wait, is that that's this? That is that's this year. Okay. Uh, and traders are expecting to see a pickup uh, in market volatility. Uh, Dom Chu has more <laughs> on your money, uh, your vote. Uh, hopefully, 
it's a this year event, uh, Dom, I, and doesn't extend into next year. Uh, I guess that's a worst case scenario, right? But yeah, we're expecting that. I knew that. It anyway, would, it, take wouldn't it, away. Be, it wouldn't be 2020, right? Unless we had some kind of controversy or possible issue with what's going to happen with the elections. Any chance? Any chance? It is so 2020 right now. But Joe, we want to put some context around just the stock market volatility that we've been seeing because we all know that the VIX or that measure of stock market volatility is elevated right now. But just how is it compared to other presidential election cycles? Yes, I know that we've had a Nasdaq tech-led sell-off, but still. The folks at the SIBO Options Institute, the SIBO, remember, is the company behind the exchange operator behind the volatility index, took a look at the last four presidential election cycles. This is the part I want to show you. October futures, which is where you're seeing the elevation that we're seeing right here. We're currently at around just 39 implied for October. That's important because that October futures contract for volatility encompasses the election time period. It is more elevated now, stock market volatility, heading into this election cycle than at any other point in the previous three. You can see here, back in 2016, it was just around 16, just before President Trump took over and won the election there. If you take a look at this, the reason why it's important is because you see that peak And then you see what happens after that October futures in November, December, into this next year. It does tend to fall off rather dramatically here, unlike some of the other times when we've seen more stable environments for stock market volatility, notably in like the 2008, 2012, and 2016 cycles. So, Andrew, I guess the takeaway here is, yes, traders are expecting a good amount of volatility going into this particular election date. However, once that date comes and goes, it tends to moderate out a little bit like it has in times past. Something to keep an eye on for sure, Andrew. I'll send things back over to you. Hey, Don, before you go, though, and this is to me the central issue, and I I talked to so many professional investors who talk about this, and maybe we'll talk about this with Pete Buttigieg a little bit later. If Biden were to win or were to be seen as winning, do we think there'd be a sell-off in the markets ahead of the end of the year to capture tax gains to the extent you can at a lower tax rate if you believe that come next year under an Biden administration, if that were to come to pass, that taxes would be higher? You know, I've I've spoken to a number of folks, Andrew, that bring up that same topic. It, It all comes down to whether or not there's a forceful view from the possible Biden administration that they want to do that tax kind of reform soon, if it's going to encompass the first year of that administration. And if so, if you do have that tech-related or sell-off kind of carryover because there are gains to be had there, gains that you can get taxed at lower rates at right now, hypothetically, if you were to have an administration that were to put higher taxes in place. I don't know if that would trigger at least a wholesale sell-off in the market, but there are folks who do believe that if you do see an administration come in that starts to look at tax reform and raises taxes, especially on those people that depend more on, say, capital gains and everything else, that you could see that kind of a sell-off there. Because, to be honest, we haven't seen tax rates this low in quite some time, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of reason, right, to think that if people want to capture some of those gains and pay lower taxes, that they do sell. I do not then know if it reverses course if the market is constructive in 2021 or the economy becomes constructive. It's certainly something to watch. Right. We will be watching. Dom, thank you. Appreciate it. We heard from Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin on the state of the economy. Join us right now for some reaction and to uh, talk about Joe Biden's plans for jobs in the economy. Pete Buttigieg, former uh, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and currently, of course, a Biden surrogate, uh, campaign surrogate. Uh, mayor Pete, it's great to see you this morning. Um, are you surprised by 
by whatever, I don't know how you want to describe the recovery, but um, given that we have recovered more than I think even when I talked to uh, Vice President Biden on this program several months ago, uh, and the expectation was, and he said very explicitly, he did not think uh, that there would be one. Well, anything short of a total conflagration, uh, I guess we can take to be good news. But I'm extremely concerned as we continue to look around and see something like 30 million Americans relying on unemployment. We're seeing a rise in food insecurity, food insecurity in the United States of America. You know, clearly we are in for a long tough struggle. And, you know, some economists are starting to talk not about a U-shaped recovery or a V-shaped recovery, but a K-shaped recovery where uh, the best uh, uh, off, the, those who had the most to begin with, they're going to pop right back to normal. Uh, and a lot of those who are most vulnerable, a lot of those who've been struggling for some time, uh, are dug in even worse for even longer. I'm very concerned about what's going to happen when this $300 kicker on unemployment runs out. Uh, and uh, as I just look around my community, uh, I think that uh, we've got a long way to go uh, before we can say that we have a strong economy. But we're just not going to have a strong economy until we deal with the virus. That, that's the simple reality of economics in an emergency. That's why we need a president who actually has a plan to do that, actually believes in silence, uh, in science, and uh, is actually going to be honest with the American people instead of trying to downplay or mislead when there's a real live national emergency on our uh, Mayor Pete, one of the things that Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said was this is not uh, a time uh, to think, frankly, about saving money uh, or to think about uh, the debt. Uh, how do you think about debt right now? And, and how would the vice president approach a presidency in terms of spending? Well, uh, you know, that's right that it, this is like wartime. And the biggest priority is making sure we avoid catastrophe. But, you know, it's still out there. We, we've still got to make sure that we're paying attention to our fiscal position. It's one of the reasons why Vice President has been honest with the American people about uh, what's going to happen and where the revenue is going to come from. You know, Americans are already of the opinion that corporations need to start paying their fair share that the wealthiest need to start paying their fair share. And we've got decades of proof in the American experience that when you do that, it's perfectly compatible with robust economic growth. That's where the vice president's going to lead Mayor us. Pete, though, because that's what we need. Mayor Pete, one of the things that, that the vice president has said, though, is that he will raise corporate taxes. What do you tell the small businesses out there, the restaurateurs and others that are struggling as is, um, that they may get a tax hit come 2021 if if the vice president uh, were to win? Well, what I can tell you is under President Trump, those small businesses are paying more taxes than Amazon. What you're going to have with the vice president, uh, with the Biden-Harris administration is uh, actually respecting small business and, and uh, asking the giant corporations to pay their fair share. Uh, look, the, the, the biggest problem with American tax policy uh, has been the loopholes. It's been the ways in which uh, you can make billions. And if you've got legions of accountants and lawyers, you can uh, park your profits in such a way that you know, in some cases, some of the most profitable or the largest country, companies in the world paying literally less in, in taxes than that small business, less in taxes than you and I did in dollar terms. Uh, that's not going to continue under Joe Biden. And uh, in the long run, that levels the playing field so that those small businesses are better off. Uh, it, maybe we need to change some of the you know, depreciation or, or tax loss carry forwards that an Amazon uses. I mean, it's, a, it's an American success story what Amazon was able to do. Maybe we need to change some of those laws. But just to 
to arbitrarily say that corporations need to pay more. We, we, we had a corporate tax rate prior to, to uh, lowering corporate taxes in the, in the Trump administration that was higher than most parts of the world. As a result, jobs go, you know, leave the United States, go over there. We don't repatriate any of the money. It doesn't come back in. Even Democrats, even President Obama wanted to lower corporate taxes. So to just to just give that the knee jerk, oh, they need to pay their fair share and, and, and things need to be raised. Don't you think we should have a more competitive, ta a competitive tax rate with the rest of the world so corporations can flourish? Then they hire more people. Then there's more jobs. Then there's more tax revenue from the people they hire. Isn't a vibrant corporate sector something that's good for the country, not bad? Sure, and I think we can have a vibrant corporate, vibrant corporate sector without multi-billion-dollar profiting corporations paying zero. You know, one thing I've always wanted to ask you is, why do you suppose that job growth in the U.S. slowed down under Trump from where it was under Obama? Right? Like, clearly, what we had before was robust job why, growth. Why do I think so, because to go from because to go from twelve percent to go from twelve percent to six percent? is a lot easier than to go from 6% to 3%. Anybody can, I mean, that's, that's just a, a total specious argument to say that the well, job well, growth yeah, is higher I'm from 12% down, down to 6 All right, so, so the Obama-Biden administration managed to get us from 12% unemployment to 6%, an astonishing achievement. Wait, and then we see a little more of it get wrung out in a president who thinks he's a hero because that happened on his watch. We've Look, had recovery every time we had, when we have a recession, the economy's going to recover. That was still the slowest recovery in post-World War, uh, you know, history coming back from trouble because, you, you know, because the, uh, they focused on health care for the first two years instead of focusing right. on they recovery. Focused. It's well known. That was, one of, that was one of the weakest, that was one of the weakest recoveries that, that we've seen compared to the Reagan recovery uh, after a deep recession faster, back in the 80s. Yeah, faster job growth than, than you saw under President Trump. And the focus, you're right, was on things like getting the American people health care. And you're going to see a focus under Joe Biden that's for the American people. Look, I'm, I'm thinking about my neighborhood. I'm thinking about the retired public school teachers who live next door. I'm thinking about the uh, postal worker who, who lives behind me. Uh, not going to benefit from this continued tax policy that only benefits billionaires and the largest corporations. And again, the American economy and the corporate sector can do fine and, and, and can do very well under a fairer tax code. But we've got to have one that can actually allow us to finance what makes America great. Look, part of why we have these American success stories is education, it's infrastructure, it's the things that at one time were the best in the world and now are not. There's a lot of measures where the U.S. has fallen out of the top 20, fallen out of the top 25. If we were looking at developed countries... I mean, if we were looking not even at developed countries, if we were looking at a developing country right now, one that's in the middle ranks of all the countries in the world, and we're showing up with a, with a clipboard figuring out, you know, how's that country, or that, is that country going to make it? Is that, are they going to modernize? And you saw rising levels of hunger, you saw difficulty controlling the spread of disease, and you saw escalating political violence, uh, and uh, a leader suggesting he's maybe going to give himself a third You'd say, you know, this may not be a country that can hack it. That's what we've fallen into under President Trump. It's time to get this country back on track before it's too late. And I think common sense is telling us that it's obviously possible to have a lot of economic growth and a fairer tax code than we have today, because that's what America's had for most of its modern experience in the last few years. Mayor Pete, before we let you go, uh, the big headline this morning in corporate America and, and really in Washington as well is the future of TikTok. And now what may be a transaction with Oracle, our own Julia Borston reporting in part 
uh, that the relationship between the Trump administration and some of the senior executives uh, who run and founded uh, Oracle may uh, uh, may be responsible to some degree uh, for for the transaction going their way. What would happen in a Biden administration? And what does the Biden administration? What 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 does the Biden campaign think of what's taking place right now? Well, what you're going to see in a Biden administration is a vision that puts the American economy and American national security first. Look, there's some very real concerns with TikTok and a lot of other software dependencies. What we've got to make sure is that they're prioritized, not based on whether the president was mad at somebody, and that they get resolved, not based on whether the president is friends with somebody, uh, but what's actually going to make sense for America. And when you have a president who, who actually reads his intelligence briefs, actually listens to what national security advisors has to say, uh, instead of uh, uh, you know attacking them or calling them names, uh, and when you have the kind of oversight and transparency that, uh, frankly, any Republican or Democratic administration other than this one right. has considered to be table stakes, we're going to have a much better way of dealing with these issues. Mayor Pete, I want to thank you, uh, as always, uh, for joining us and uh, look forward to continuing, hopefully, this conversation uh, as uh, these next 50 days move. And uh, I imagine we'll move even faster than we expect. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Our show is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. All right, Sorkin. You all right? It's like a lot. Between the two of us, though, do we not? uh, There's something for everyone. I love Twitter, don't you? But between the two of us, we got it covered. You can tweet us at Squawk CNBC. And please subscribe to Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We got it covered. Anyway, thank you. See you tomorrow. Thank you. We'll do it again tomorrow. We're up. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 